Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Hey everybody, this is Allison Hale with Rooted Deep Podcast, and I am here as usual with Reba Bowman, and we're excited today uh, because we have a very special guest. As usual, we love having guests, we love having interviews and talking to different people. And many times we have on the, uh, over the course of almost a year, of or more, more than a year, we've uh, been able to minister and listen to the ministries of different directors of safe houses, recovery homes. And so we're excited, uh, right, Ruby, to be talking today yeah. with somebody very special. No, absolutely. Uh, it's always exciting to hear what other people are doing, not just for the cause of Christ, but for women in general, uh, what and, and how they're speaking into it and what that looks like. So, uh, yeah, we're absolutely. So, Allie, I know that you know our guest a whole lot better than I do. So why don't you introduce her today? Because we're really excited to have her with us. Okay, a few months ago, we interviewed my cousin, Dr. Amy Hodges Hamilton, about specifically writing through our trauma. And I met our guest, Tracy, when I was invited to join into a trauma writing class with this organization in this um, in this recovery home. And so it was Healing Housing uh, based in Middle Tennessee. And I'm just fairly thankful to hear from Ta- uh, Tracy today. So welcome. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to be with you both. And I was just sitting when you were uh, talking, Reba, and thinking again, you know, it's, it's um, so amongst people who are in solution, you know, we're all working in solution. And I just, am, I'm always um, so um, energized by that. Oh, that's, a, that's cool. Well, you got to tell us a little bit about Healing House and uh, talk to us about who you are, what you do, uh, because I know many people out there listening are like, okay, what is this? So <clears throat> absolutely. Well, this is a, a wonderful um, time for uh, for me to join you because um, Healing Housing is celebrating its uh, fifth anniversary of the day that we opened our doors, which was actually April 1 of 2017. Um, this is a ministry that was founded by Olivia Smith, who was um, doing a prison ministry called Better Decisions. And she was partnered with um, women uh, for eight week, uh, eight week term. Um, helping them work through skills that they needed um, once they were released. And Olivia was really touched by a woman um, in particular, I believe her name was Stacy, that was um, due to, re- to be released and was going to be uh, the only choice, the only option she had for housing um, with no financial resources was to go back to the, um, her family of origin where her addiction was born and was still um, very much alive and um <clears throat> and and active so she was really afraid to go there but didn't know where else to go olivia um took that home prayed about it went to her, uh, the minister of brentwood united methodist church dr uh, davis chapel um told him that it was weighing heavy on her heart and she wanted to do something and really long story short he he um suggested that she form a team to study research um um, you know, what the need is in middle, middle Tennessee and how we could address this for women uh, with no financial resources. And that basically led to Olivia and this team traveling and meeting um, different organizations, um, female sober, sober living uh, houses specific to um, women with no financial resources. 
So that's really how how it was um, opened. And you know, as I I always say, the perseverance that it took, and um, the prayers. The women are always told here by the volunteer staff, "We prayed for you before you ever came," and um, that has always um, sat with me so beautifully. Um, and I and I still feel, of course, that to this day, and know that that is to be true. So cool. Because I think, Allie, we've talked about so many times as we, as God sees, shows us a need, you know, um, all of a sudden you see a need, there's a crisis point and you're like, okay, wait a minute, somebody needs to do something about that. And then so many times God's like, okay, that's you. And, and, uh, you know, and so you see the need and you begin to pray. And then it seems like, okay, then God supplies the, 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 uh, whatever you need in order to go forward with that. Because, you know, I, I love it because God loves people and he sees the need before we see the need. And um, he sends us uh, and has a plan for that long before we are, you know, it's ever a thought in our minds. So, man, what a cool, um, you know, that's a, such a great testimony of just how God is speaking into and through um, a lot of times situations that seem like there's no hope. And I think too, you know, it's this idea that we have to be an expert to take action. Olivia and and the team had no, and they say it to this day because many are still uh, board on our board of directors. They had no experience with their own homes or in their own lives wow. with substance uh, use um, or addiction. So it was like yeah. they were blazing a whole new trail. They had to learn. It took a lot of effort to learn what all that they needed to learn. Sure. Oh, that's incredible. Well, what are some of the healing, like what are some of the healing methods or what are some of the things that you focus on in the healing house as when you receive women in and they're trying to figure out how to go forward? Well, it's again, great timing that I'm with you because we're reflecting so much on on how we started and where we are today. I came to the organization in 2018 with my own story of recovery. Um, and I was brought in to do um, the, the organization recognized they needed someone doing case management that would um, that had experience in, in addiction and recovery. So there was a lot of spiritual, um, you know, um, faith-based principles at the beginning. And that's really what was um, uh, holding, you know, keeping, keeping everything going. But I, again, I recognize much great humility on the, on the part of the board to say, Hey, we need an area here that needs to be covered better. And so I was originally brought in to do case management with the women. And it was at a time when healing housing, we, um, we, the, we recognized that we needed to provide therapy, but we were doing that, uh, you know, pro bono, but the budget obviously was very slim in the beginning. We were just trying to keep the doors open. Um, <clears throat> one thing that's really changed a lot, um, if I were to really speak to something um, that gives a feel for where we're at, it is this idea this um, that a woman needs to pull herself up by the bootstraps, get back to work, and, um, you know, hard work is, is what will get us through. And what really spoke to me was here's these, these, this, this demographic that has never had a parent that you know saw an issue or a challenge for the most part i'm making a generalization there but for the most part of like hey you know we need to tend to medical care we need to tend to therapeutic care we need to address childhood trauma that is deeply rooted in um in 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 coping mechanisms that are destructive you know that developed coping mechanisms that were very destructive um there's a there's a huge picture here and so 
slowly but surely as these five years as we've evolved, um, we've gone from just strict accountability um, to absolutely the, the connection when a woman arrives here, there are no dues or fees for her first nine weeks of stay with us. Um, we set her up with a psychiatric uh, nurse practitioner for a complete mental health evaluation, follow-up care, bed management. Um, we have our own intensive outpatient programming. We tell them your, your job for the next five weeks is to rest, recover. Um, we know these women are coming to us after 30 days of a really quick detox and rehab um, that they've been granted or through um, 10 care. And so we really say, don't worry about work. Like we'll get to work. You've worked your whole life. You know, you, you've that, we know, you know, work, we know, you know, hard work, but what about rest and recover? What about learning to be quiet and still with oneself? What about processing grief? And so we really stand alongside the women in community and providing these supportive suite of services that we really feel ultimately give them the best step forward because most of our women, you know, have, have long histories of chronic relapse. We know that's part of the disease. Yeah. And you know, that that's so, I think that's such an important factor that a lot of times we just, we overlook. Um, I, and I do think there's something in all of us that just says, if I work harder, mm -hmm. if I, if I go at it a little, if I just try harder, if I just, you know, try this thing different than what I did last time, maybe it'll just work out. And I think sometimes our, our whole being fights against be still and, and allow um, and allow healing to just happen in that moment, in those moments of stillness. And I, I really think there's so many times when, uh, if you don't orchestrate that for people, people will never, they're never going to go do it naturally. Cause our, our natural bend is just to keep pushing sometimes and, or just to quit altogether. And that's one of the things that we've seen here in the Dominican is their life is so full of chaos and noise work or um, just and, and like 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 Tracy said trauma that when they finally do get that place at the workshop, for example, when it's quiet, they end up filling it with other more, just bring in more chaos because they don't know what to do in that quiet moment. And we have to teach them, like Tracy said, we have to teach and sit with them in that quiet and say, this is where we listen to one another. This is where we listen to God. And, and those, those quiet moments are so important, but some of us who haven't dealt with that before don't necessarily, they're like, oh, it should be so easy. Now that they're, they're out of this chaos, it's going to be so easy just to sit in the quiet. And that's probably the where they, um, in my, in our case down here, boy, that's when they, they try to create their own, their own chaos because it's created a vacuum. Well said. I mean, you really, you took that. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's holding people back. You know, I think too, it, just as you were even talking, I was thinking about, again, we're, we're really fed a message that, um, you know, that downtime is not productive. And I think when we, you know, we're, and then, and then in the same breath, we're saying, be still, be quiet and listen for God's message. But you know, you, you got there's got to be give here and take. And I think the women are so blown away by a message of, um, you know, looking at this as a disease model and, 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 and like letting us care for them, like truly, truly care for them. Um, 
uh, I know for, for here, our women just have never seen that kind of love. Again, for the most part, the, the greater percentage have not had, do not come from a stable family background. And you're right. right. All they've known is survival, scarcity, and, um, and this is a whole, this is a whole, like, we have to change that. Yeah, it's so difficult when you've come from a fight mentality uh, and a scramble and a hustle mentality. I just got to keep hustling, um, you know, and, and women on the, you know, women on the U.S. side that, you know, are also in the same trap many times. I know there's probably women listening to us right now and they're identifying with things that we're saying and they're like, OK, you know, my story may be slightly different, but we have this mentality. I just got to hustle my way to where I need to be. And it's so difficult to really trust God. And I think that's really where it resonates at the bottom line. In these moments, we're pushed up against our faith. Do I really trust God to be able to do the work I cannot do myself? Or do I think I got to hustle my way to figure this out? And in that tension, I think it's uncomfortable. And we don't like we don't like to be uncomfortable. And so we try to, you know, I think we try to get out of those moments and make them as brief as possible when actually the greater work can be done in those moments. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to ask you, Tracy, if you can share how much and you shared a little bit about your own story, but how much, if any, of the ministry has been able to include survivors kind of stepping in and sharing their story with the women that you're serving at healing housing, or if there's any, um, survivor led ministry, um, if, you know, obviously keeping confidentiality, like we, like we uh, of course need to do, but I wanted to ask you how much, um, have, have survivors been able to be part of this ministry? I would say that I'm aware of, and again, it's such, it's a slow build on trust and we do outsource because the trauma here is so severe. Um, uh, staff that works directly with the women, we are all, um, um, work under a clinical supervisor, um, as we, uh, for our program so that we're always checking in on case management and outsourcing the proper, um, therapist, um, healthcare professional to assess, assess and, and help with those needs. And so, you know, I would say from what I'm aware and, and understanding the scope of, of survivor and, and what that can look like, um, I would certainly say to my awareness, there's a good 15%, um, I would say of our population that would, would probably be on that spectrum. Um, um, if, if I'm understanding the question correct. Good. Good. I, I just think um, as far as volunteers uh, in, in our ministry, it's just interesting to see who can just even has been able to even come back and just share their um, just share their story or just share their uh, their not expertise, but just kind of share their experience. Um, because we've talked we've talked before about, you know, listening to one another and stepping into one another's stories. And to kind of follow up on that, I wanted to ask, how was that writing class? Because we've, um, if every, if anybody listened to this podcast before, they did hear how important writing through their trauma is. And I wanted to know how, um, or if anything kind of came out of that, just writing through their trauma, or was it, was it kind of cathartic? Um, and I know I, I enjoyed my couple of times that I did it, but it did open wounds for me. But um, it's, it's interesting just understanding that, that whole process of writing 
and and what was you know what came what came out of that um, that workshop. I mean, it's it's really interesting when I think back about that collaboration because I had a lot of fear about it, and and I'll I'll explain why. Um, because Amy had reached out about that collaboration when I first came on in 2018, and I was really tentative about anonymity, um, trust building. Um, you know, um, th there were a lot of issues that kicked up for me about that. But I'll, t I'll tell you the truth. What ha ended up happening is my youngest daughter um, had... Um, developed uh, disordered eating and, and it had gotten uh, pretty bad. And she ended up being in Amy's writing class at Belmont University and living with her and watching her write her story with Amy. I was able to, because there were days she came home and she would be a wreck. And I would say, I, I literally was like, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Like maybe this is too much. But she was the one that reconnected me with Amy because it was so cathartic when she finished her story and had it on paper. And she said, mom, I can't encourage this enough. Like I needed to feel it all, go through it. And this is like, this is, you know, I, I got through it and it's taken me to the other side where it lived up here in my head. It's now on paper and I'm able to, to get rest from it, respite, even despite therapy and everything we'd been through. That was such a healing step. And she was really a, a big reason why I reconnected with Amy and had a big leap of faith and really trusted Amy and developed this, this friendship with Amy. Um, and, and also was able to experience Amy leading a couple of uh, morning devotions with our women and how much she connected with them, how receptive and sensitive she was to their trauma and their stories. And then I will say, as the program evolved, there were nights, um, you know, that, and, I, and I've, uh, full transparency, I've told Amy this, where she would leave and we'd have staff kind of doing triage, you know, like yeah. women would be, it would, it would be really challenging, but I held to the faith of what my daughter had said, who was also a, a social work um, student uh, major. And, and I just started to see that the women would say to me, it, yes, Tracy, it hurts. And it feels good at the same time. And, um, you know, I, I am, my, you know, I, I get in the way of wanting to fix feelings. It's probably the biggest challenge I have in my position here. And so uh, being okay with letting people have their process, um, I, I've, it's made me a better, um, um, a better leader and better in my position um, that I just have to let people um, it's a process. We don't heal this overnight. And yeah. so that, that collaboration, I will be always so grateful for organizationally, individually, um, spiritually on so many levels. Yeah. You know, my, my, uh, my past experience is all in education at the college and university level. And one of the things that we, uh, I always worked with my students through, and this is built on the same principle is that how do I know when I know the material that I'm studying for. And I always would tell them the way, you know, if you know it is if you can actually write it um, down, um, if you can actually move the book away, 
take a pen and can you write down the, the, the principle or the thing that you're trying to say? I know if you just sit there with your pen hovering above the paper and you can't come up with words, that means it hasn't gone through the process yet for you. And I found this, that educational principle to be so true moving across into the counseling principle uh, and moving across into helping people as they work through pain and difficulty and trauma, because a lot of times there's something um, as we work through the facts and then being able to actually formulate words to be able to express those things. When I can't come up with those words, I'm stuck. But when I start to be able to come up with words and the words start to flow, suddenly it's a release. And suddenly now what I didn't know, I know I understand in a different way than, than before. And I think what you're saying is so true because that's why I'm a huge fan of journaling and, and I'm a huge fan of just being able to write down things, even if it's in an un an informal way. Um, but just for us to be able, sometimes there's some, there's something incredible that happens as we get stuff from here, uh, from our heads and from our hearts out into actual words that we can put down on a piece of paper or on a screen, even if it's not pretty. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there, there were so many layers about this that were beyond my, um, my purview and and one of them also being having a doctor um of a college university that's very well respected in our area a take the time just the message that the women were receiving and here's this person that wants to hear my story that i think typically in with a disease of low self-esteem is like i'm worthless you know and i'm not educated and amy also you know, I've watched Amy work and this project work the room in so many levels and self-esteem was gained too. Like here's, you know, here's, I'm working with a professor. I've ne I haven't had college education. I, I haven't been that, but it started opening the doors like, hey, maybe I could. Um, and I think Amy took away this, this, this hang up with writing about the formality of it. I watched her do that. And that it was equally as important if the punctuation and the grammar wasn't correct as if it was. And like those messages, I will forever be grateful. Again, I, I grew from, from that too. And now we can say to the women, it, don't get hung up on that stuff. That's not what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. You're not writing a book. You're you're uh, for other people to read. This is about you. So that's mm -hmm. that's cool. And I think there's probably a woman out there who's listening who needs to hear that oh, yeah. um, in her own journey right now. And the one that maybe the greatest thing you can do if you're listening right now and you're like, wow, I'm really identifying with some of this is it doesn't it, their paper doesn't have to be pretty. The pen doesn't have to be fancy. Just grab something and just begin to do your struggle through the pour out. And as you do, I do believe if you'll hang in there, um, that you'll find some healing through that. Um, and as you wisely said, I think Tracy also maybe find a friend who can take that journey a little with you so that if you find crisis points along the way where you need a, somebody to love on you a little bit, that you've got kind of somebody there ready to triage a little bit, yeah. uh, as you work through some of that, that's important as well. Absolutely. Tracy, I wanted to ask you, what are some, if you can share a couple of victories that you guys have encountered and, and 
and experienced at Healing Housing just throughout the years, your time there. Um, everybody, we all, we've talked about this before, sometimes along this, along our path of ministry, we have to kind of build altars to kind of go back to maybe an altar of remembrance or a story of remembrance. So we can say, here's where we really saw, you know, God step in, we saw a breakthrough. So if you could share some of those. Yeah, I think one that, that comes to mind, there's so many, but one specifically, um, was a woman who came to us, um, and she spent uh, a couple months, and she her, her story uh, had um, domestic abuse, um, um, sexual trauma, everything. Um, she had three ch- has three children, and she relapsed and ended up um, with her. Um, with her partner at the time, um, it was a really bad relapse and, and she left our program and she was gone. And um, what what ended up happening is it got really, really bad. She ended up, um, uh, you know, homeless, um, in bad shape physically, ultimately ended up kind of being at shelter after shelter. And she called our program back and said, um, I'll do anything. I just want to come home. I want to be wrapped in my prayer blanket and I want to come home. I'm tired. And um, so we got her back into treatment and because we're door to door. So she needed to detox and and do 30 days of treatment, stabilize. And then we took her back in and I'll tell you what, you know, her faith strength, um, um, she, she came in full surrender she did whatever it took. I, I often say, you know, we provide again this incredible menu of services. And what are you going to do with that? You know, and she took advantage of every one of it. We helped with dental, we helped with medical. Um, ultimately, and and she got a sponsor and she worked at 12 steps and she did the therapy dive and she did the story dive with Amy. Um she showed up at case management. She grew in her vocation. And then we ended up partnering with a local, another nonprofit in 2021 um, called Uprise. And um, again, I, they provide vocational development in 12 different career paths. And um, I, I knew that the, um, what, the two blocks to women doing participating in that would be loss of income because most of our women are paying child support fees, so they can't lose income and, um, and, and self-esteem. Like, do I have the ability to go sit in a classroom and do this? Well, um, we, we received a grant to offer each woman who participated um, a, a stipend, if you will, of pay um, to go to school. And um, she took advantage of that. She was quickly seen and interviewed by um, a number of of, um, prominent medical facilities in our area and ultimately landed a job at Vanderbilt. Um, She has continued to, um, they have sent her through more education in in her field that she's growing in. And um, she has an apartment and her children back. And she's now she gives back in service to our organization. She sponsors women who are are here. She brings in meetings and, um, you know, grit, determination, um, strong spiritual faith um, journey, a lot of humility. And she's she's doing it. You know, she's doing it. 
That's great. It's cool to hear stories like that because sometimes, you know, a lot of times, I think many times people are just, uh, you know, well, you know, they just, people just go back, you know, they don't, it never works out. And, and I think, no, not it, 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 that's not true. There, there are, there are so many untold stories of people whose lives are completely different because uh, they did the hard work um, of, of life change and watch God do the miracles in their life. And that's, uh, that's really awesome. And I don't know in your ministries, like I know with, with addiction, there's a lot of generalizations that are made. And I've, and I've in, in, in with 12 step, you know, they, there needed to be sort of these generalizations to keep an organization together. And we are 12 step based, but what I have the honor of seeing is the uniqueness to everyone's disease and everyone's journey. Um, that particular woman stayed with us a full year. We, we allow up to a year um, of staying with us. I'd love to say we can do two years and hopefully as we grow, we can do that. Right now we back up on, on beds that are needed, but another alumni dropped in yesterday who was with us exactly for six months, um, you know, got a job in assisted living, loves it, has her own apartment now. Um, you know, um, her story looked very different, but they're both doing great. And that's, that's, that's what my prayer is for every night. Yeah. That's thank you so much for sharing the victories. I wanted to know if you would be able to share a couple of maybe your personal struggles or um, struggles with the ministry. I know all of us uh, in this type of ministry balance with when to give a second chance or how to give a second chance or whether, you know, and those type of things, because um, we're right in the middle of second chance, yes or no type of thing, or in our case, sixth chance, yes or no. Um, and so that's, that's just the way the, what, what we're, what we're dealing with, but I didn't know if, and how has the Lord kind of walked you through some of these struggles that you've had, not just with whether, whether or not to give, um, th and that type of wisdom, but, you know, in the ministries, uh, how have, how has the Lord helped you through some of these struggles? What an incredible question. And I, I, you know, love to hear from you both on that as well. I think for me, the biggest challenge that um, that I have walked through is exactly what you stated. It's 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 um, you know we, we again I know what my intuition is, and then I know um, you know and call that your God voice. Mine is one that is very loving, very giving, um, a lot of trust in people, a lot of hope for people. And I know for me, I have to balance holding people accountable uh, to program specifics. And I'm super grateful for in writing guidelines and policies that I have to regularly review. And I always seek um, from a clinical supervisor, from my coworker who's excellent at ethics and boundaries, you know, like where I, where I struggle, she, she is, is uh, highly elevated. Um, but I just feel like, um, there is such a message in, in giving. And I think sometimes by the women I'm tested, will you still love me? And I think, um, I, will this organization still love me? And I think that's part of this disease. And I, 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 I'm you know, curious if you feel that too, but I feel like the message needs to be, yes, we still will. Yes, there's been enough of years and years of no, you're awful, you're horrible, you're dumb, 
you're, you know, that we got a lot of years to make up for and to get comfortable with feeling a new way, which is I'm worthy. I'm smart. I'm, and that comes with giving. And, and I have to say, I shared this, you know, the other day, I am at peace now with, um, with the Lord's belief in this ministry and what has happened. And I am at peace with, there will be people who need more and there will be people who need less and it will always balance out. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I will make errors and I'm okay with that. Um, I know that I, my intentions, I always check my intentions and they're always good. I want the best for everyone here. Um, everyone, I want the best for them. Um, and I think it's interesting because if you look at all three of our ministries that's represented today in this podcast, the word healing, the word mercy, and the word in Spanish, which is esperanza, which means hope. And we cannot, I don't feel like we can give too much of any of that. You know, that's why um, when I, when I was in college, I had to take a spiritual gifts um, inventory and I rated the lowest in mercy, which is, uh, you know, I think it's funny because my team now calls me a marshmallow. Um, and, and I struggle with some of the same things as far as just, um, but at the same time, even with, uh, understanding that mercy can triumph um, and healing can happen and hope is needs to be present in these women's lives, the Esperanza. And I don't want to make, um, I don't want to make Reba say it in Spanish, but that is the name of her organization in Guatemala because, yeah. but that's what the Esperanza. See, I can't Cuente say it. De Esperanza. Yes. Very good. <laughs> and so that's, I think that's um, going back to our identity and going back to our foundation. Okay. Here's and our intentions and motivations. We're here for the very best of the women, but also I think it's so important that there is a balance for every person that loves mercy. We also have to have that person who can do justice. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. just, and be that, and be that rule follower, the policy maker, because, um, and, and God has given us all just tools and created us all with different strengths. And I think that's beautiful that we can work in balance. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a, such a principle that's hard to work through and understand, but it's unconditional love. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people have no idea what that looks like in their lives. They've never experienced a love that's unconditional. Uh, they've, they've experienced conditional everything. If you'll do this for me, I'll do this for you. But if you somehow, yeah. it's all transactional. Exactly, Alec. And when we, when, when somebody gets to step into the freedom that's found, the hope that's found, uh, honestly, the, the peace that can't be explained in this setting of unconditional love, where yes, sometimes consequences of your own choices hit you hard. And we would love to be able to buffer you from that, but we're going to love you through that. Um, you know, our, our love is unconditional as much as God gives us to love. And, you know, God is the author of unconditional love. We understand that he loved us. And so as we give here, as we give our, our women that message of this unconditional love, that is always, it's not performance-based. It's not transactional. It's not temporary. It doesn't come. It doesn't go. It is sustainable. It is always and forever. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, or what you've done. And as women begin to experience that and then to test it and to believe in it and watch it happen. And then obviously, boy, our prayer is, I know on our end, is that we can be 
we can be representatives of that love. We can actually, as Christ loves through us, we can love people like that so that they get to experience God's unconditional love through Dare for More Ministries, through the team that works with them. And so then they begin to understand that, you know what? Yeah, my choices do impact. They, they have results and I can't always remove all those results. It's not if you love me, take away all my consequences. Or if you love me, no bad thing ever happens to me. That's not the way it works. But unconditional love says through it all, in spite of it all, no matter what, we're going to love you. And you can find this peace that's in that. And, and actually that I have seen grow in a woman's heart and life in such a way that it brings her to a point where she's quick to respond to that kind of love. And there's strength in that. There's encouragement in that. And, and there's, there's, um, I also think, you know, that there is understanding I'm not alone. Totally. I'm no, I'm not alone in this. I, I all God, God, if nobody else loves me, God loves me. And, but there are other people that God sent who love me. And so I'm not alone in this. And so I think, you know, trying to unpack and begin to give some experiences into a world that's very foreign for a lot of people of that unconditional love to me is such an amazing thing. When you watch it begin to click in a woman's heart and head. Um, and that, tends to help me figure my way out as we navigate some of these hard places where, you know, it's like, Hey, let's, you know, let's give them another chance. Let, let's see what they can do with this. And uh, let's show grace. God showed grace. That's part of it, you know? So, and then also he, he also shows judgment. And so, you know, there's all of these balances in this. So, but it's, it's a great, it's a great conversation, but also a great reminder for not just for us, but for people listening that just because sometimes you feel the 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 weight of your of your choices that fall on your life sometimes doesn't mean that God still doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that people still don't love you. You're not unlovable because of who you are or what you've done. And that's a powerful, powerful thing to grasp. And once you get it, it's a really cool thing <laughs> to experience. Um, and it's something we hope our women can get over time. Oh, I just, I wanted to, I just wanted to, as we're wrapping up and before we get to the fun rapid fire questions, I wanted to ask Tracy, just to remind everybody how people can, whether get involved or if there's any upcoming um, events or fundraisers, or just they can hear more or learn more about healing housing. Um, can you give us some of that information? And then we'll provide those um, in the podcast when we, when we post. Thank you. Yes, our website is healinghousing.org. So I'd love for you to visit. I know probably with your ministries as well, it's so important that if we can get, um, you know, if you have an interest uh, to sign up for our newsletter, um, you know, we send those out and they really um, show things that we're doing as a ministry and ways to get involved. Um, so that that's super helpful. Our biggest uh, annual fundraiser um, that we do every year and last year it was the only fundraiser we did, um, is uh, our Love Breakfast. Um, it is a fun morning um, this year. Our speaker, keynote speaker is Allison Moore, who wrote the beautiful book, um, Love, about um, her own story uh, growing up in a, in a terribly um, uh, alcoholic addiction um, home uh, from her father's side and her survival and, and moving through that, becoming a um, a prolific songwriter and again, um, writing this book. So she's going to be our keynote speaker. 
And um, for that, you can, again, just go to our website and it'll provide the link to Love Breakfast, or you can go to love-breakfast.org. And we will live stream that event on April 26th at 8 a.m. We'd love to have you come listen and hear about us. It'll be an hour long and um, lots of content about where we are um, now and um, our beginnings and um, where we're headed. Awesome. Thank that you so awesome. much. Well, we will post that information uh, out there so that people can actually connect to that. Uh, and you guys are in the Nashville area, right? Yeah, we are specifically in Franklin. Um, that was part of the founders. Um, she really wanted the women to live in uh, in an area and see a different way of life. And um, I think most of the women who come here probably think it's pretty much like Pleasantville, if you've ever seen. Um, in fact, I, one of the women today, we have a trolley system here, believe it or not, called Todd, that it's, it's a, like a trolley and they will come and do door-to-door -door pickup and, and transportation for $5 a ride. So when you consider the world of Uber and then our little Franklin trolley, the women are like, I can't believe this. And he's really nice when he comes. And um, so there's there's some benefits to being out here outside of Nashville. Um, little, awesome. A little more quiet, yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right, well, Ali, are we ready to do this uh, last little uh, fun little time as we close out the podcast? Absolutely. We're always ready for this, but we need to know if Tracy is ready that, for the I'm, rapid fire This question. is what I'm the most nervous about. I mean, all I right. got to tell you, I can talk about healing housing all day, but I'm scared. Uh, well, don't do be it. scared because this is just fun questions. Um, you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it or go in depth, but it's just kind of what comes off the top of your head. Uh, and we think these are easy questions. We promise there won't be a stumper for you. So um, I'll kick it off. We'll let, we'll just kind of go back and forth with me and Allie. So we're going to start with probably one that'll be hard for you to pick from. So this will be, you'll have so many answers to this one. You won't know which to pick probably. What, what is one book outside of the Bible? Uh, we'll, we'll take that the Bible has impacted your life, but what's one book outside of the Bible that's really impacted you? Um, I will say just, a, uh, and my memory is not the best, but the book Educated, if, if anyone read that book, that, that was a big win. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you enjoy doing in your free time? Mm. The mountains of free time that you have? Yeah. I, I will be honest. I am a, a Sudoku addict. So I wake up early every day to make sure I get one of those in. Um, free time, a hundred percent is my grandchildren, a hundred percent. That's what I rush to do the minute the work week is over. That's fun. So we, we have to ask real quick, how many grandchildren do you have? Two grandkids, Flora, who is, um, almost five months and Milo, my grandson, who is five years old. Oh my goodness. So they're at that fun stage. Okay. <laughs> totally fun. Okay, cool. Well, now, now this one always is a little fun to ask, but what is something that people often get wrong? about you oh i know um my i am uh by nature a fairly shy individual and that can be perceived as anybody who's out there shy knows as either i guess the old word would be stuck up or um but i'm actually can be fairly shy and that can <laughs> that can cause some misperceptions about me very good good what is your favorite movie Oh, um, I, I have to say, uh, I, you know what? I'm going to give my most recent favorite movie. I can't quit thinking about is King Richard. Mm. Okay. I haven't seen that yet. Good. So good. 
Good. Okay. So if you're sitting down and you're getting to eat your favorite meal, what's on the table? Pizza. Oh, this is a woman after my own heart right here. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. And she, and I'll take it a step farther. Chicago deep dish pizza. Okay. 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 There we go. Get specific. I love it. All right. Besides pictures of your grandchildren, what is on your nightstand? Oh, I will hundred percent. It is uh, my grandfather who is standing in a field of hay. My, mm. my, um, my, my, yes. That's cool. All right. So give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Oh, gosh, there's so many of those. I'll tell you one that never gets old. And that is my commute to work every day. And I am amazed by God's palette of colors as the sun rises. I mean, it sounds so corny, but I got to tell you, I do more praying and more that I am so inspired by that. And my heart is so joy filled um, every day by that. Same to be said on my drive home as I catch the sunset um, in the winter months. Good. What are you deeply grateful for? Mm. Family. Um, I've been so blessed um, by my family. I mean, that list, I'm sure Allie could just go on and on. This, this, this job, it was yeah. nothing that I ever saw um as as being what i would have thought would happen in my life and what gratitude i have um that that you know this was placed before me um yeah that's cool well we always end with this question you know our podcast is rooted deep so we always ask our guests what keeps you rooted deep community of women I mean, I think every morning I start my day here with the women in devotion and meditation time. And that is just this grounding um, and connection to people. Like we talk about, you know, we're so connected in our brokenness. And I feel so rooted and inspired and impassioned and love filled by that. Um, I would say that that would that would be my answer. That's cool. Well, it has been so great, Tracy, to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for sharing what's happening uh, at Healing House and uh, what your ministry is doing there for helping women. It's really great. And we always hope that there's a woman listening uh, who, uh, and this is going to be, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you wrap us with this right here. Maybe there's a woman listening and she's battling through addictions and she's not sure what to do right now. Well, speak to her for just a minute as we close out the podcast. Certainly, if you're battling with addiction, you know, more than likely, you know, someone who is living in recovery, make the phone call. Um, and if you don't call, um, call a, a treatment facility, um, call a pastor, um, and, and it's that it call, call a 12 step programming. It's that action, take action. Um, and then, and then take the next right indicated step. But, you know, sometimes, honestly, it's, it's just getting, it's, it's, what do they say? The anticipation before the step is what is like the, that's the time. What are you going to do with that? Mm -hmm. If you can just make that call, 
amazing things happen. I know when people call us, we spend a good part of our day, even if they're not, you know, helping people connect them with resources. And I think most of us in the field, that's what we want to see is get you connected with resources. So just make a phone call. And if the first one doesn't work, call the second one. Don't stop. Great, great advice. Great advice. Well, uh, Allie, this has been good. And uh, go ahead. No, I'm just really thankful uh, to, to Tracy for taking the time with us today. And she was manning the office by herself all morning and, and, and took some time with us uh, to just share her heart about healing housing. And remember, um, healinghousing.org and um, sign up for their newsletter and then just uh, pray, you know, pray for this ministry and pray for all the ministries out there, uh, like all of ours who are, are struggling, um, but also having victories with women in community. Ben. All right. Well, listen, thanks for joining the podcast today. We hope that when you turn us off, you will continue to do what you need to do in your life to keep you rooted deep. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.